How can you do this for over 30 years and still be nervous? After 30 years, I still find myself jittery. Maybe it's just because I, I just want the service to go so well. I want everything to be on course. I want the Lord to be glorified. I want you to be helped today. And so let's pray for one another. And you pray for your pastor today. I definitely need your prayers this morning. We want to welcome all of our live stream congregation in today. We failed to do that earlier. And so all those who are watching by way of live stream, we're so glad to have, have you aboard today. And we appreciate all of our sound and video guys doing such a great job. I'm telling you what, just taking that thing to the next level. Uh, and we appreciate them. Uh, when you don't have them, you understand how important their job is. And so we, uh, we can't say enough about how much we appreciate them. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord knows what I'm going to preach today. He gave it to me. Amen. The devil knows what I'm going to preach today. Yeah. Right. You can rest assured he did not give it to me. And so he does, not, <clears throat> he does not want this message to go out today. There is not a doubt about that. And so I need you right now to be praying that God would, <clears throat> that God would bless and give power and that this would reach out, <clears throat> not only here, but it would reach out over the airwaves and the internet and the radio and all those things. Uh, we're getting feedback from those things, by the way. People are, people are writing us and people are texting and emailing and, and they're listening. And so we thank the Lord for that. First Corinthians 6, when you find your place, let's all stand this morning. <clears throat> and I want you to find your place in verse number 7, if you will. First Corinthians chapter 6 <clears throat> and verse number 7. Paul said, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. And such were some of you, But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified <clears throat> in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. <clears throat> you may be seated this morning. In just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about this subject, thankful for the adverb. I believe I have every word Bible up here this morning. I believe every word is perfect. Every word is in its place. And I'm thankful for the placement of the words, the position of the words, the punctuation of the words. And so I want to talk to you about that subject, thankful for the adverb. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll tell you what I'm talking about in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back in God's house again today. God, thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that you are so faithful to, to manifest in this place. One of our dear ladies walked in this morning and, and said, Preacher, I love this place. When I just walk in, I feel the presence of God. And I can say amen to that. Lord, I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful for this haven that you've given us where we can come together as the family of God and we can be encouraged and helped and edified. Thank you so much for it. Father, I pray that your name will be lifted up today. I pray that Christ will be exalted. I pray that he will increase and that we will decrease. Lord, I pray that you'll save that soul that's nearest hell. And I pray that you'll encourage that child of God that might be a little discouraged today. Father, we're asking you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would bind the powers of darkness and that you would keep them away. And Heavenly Father, the best we know how right now, we're pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over this service, over these people, over this pastor, <clears throat> over this time. Father, have your will in your way. And uh, we thank you for your blessings. We love you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. And I want to start the message I don't think I've ever done this, but I want to start the message off the same way that I began last week's message. I think the reason that we're not thankful for what Jesus has done for us is because often we fail to understand the magnitude of all that Jesus has done for you and me. I'm glad the Bible often, and this is often the case, I'm glad the Bible often gives us a contrast before it gives us the great truth that it's trying to give us, it gives us the contrast so we can try to understand just how great the truth is that he's trying to give us. And this is what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We notice in verses 9 and, uh, verses 9 and 10, we see a serious list of not just sins, but sinners. Look there, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. And Paul says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now, this is, this is pretty bold. But how many know that the, the Bible doesn't cut corners? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, that is, those who are sexually immoral, nor idolaters, that's worshipers of false gods, nor adulterers, studied out, it's the idea of having, having a secret lover, the one that you're not supposed to have, having a secret lover on the side, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. It's an interesting word. It means soft. It's a male. It's a, it's a boy. It's talking about a boy, what the Bible's telling us. It is a young man who reserves, reserves himself for a boyfriend. Well, it's everywhere everywhere and now it's getting it's 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 on every commercial it's very unpopular to preach it's not politically correct we're not hearing very much preaching about it in churches unfortunately anymore but it's still in the bible 
And so as long as it's in the Word of God, we still have a responsibility as God's men to preach on it. So the Bible says, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Then it says, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That is outright homosexuality. Verse 10, nor thieves is the idea of, of the man or the woman who is guilty of embezzlement, who takes that which is not theirs to take, nor covetous, greedy of gain, avarice, someone who is so covetous that they're willing to do underhanded things to get it. Then the Bible says, nor drunkards. It's an interesting word. It's the Greek word, methasos, methasos. Interesting. It's the idea of a sot, someone who has gotten, become so addicted to alcohol or some type of addiction that, that they're totally out of control is what the Bible's talking about there. Nor drunkards, nor revilers. The word revilers there is, is abusive or the abuser of language. Someone who, uh, who abuses language, nor extortioners, is the idea of robbers. And the Bible says these fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, or extortioners, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul levels a very hard blow. In verse number 11, he says, and such were some of you. Well, that's just putting it out there, isn't it? So Paul says, before you get up there on your high horse... (laughs) And start saying, that's right. Those wicked sinners, those wicked, ungodly heathen, those people that deserve to burn in hell. And then the Holy Spirit comes right back in the next line and he reminds us, and such were some of you. But I want you to look at the next word. But. But, you're washed, but, you're sanctified, but, (laughs) you're justified. By the way, that's not accidental. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. May I say this morning that I'm thankful for the adverb. The word but there can be used in several different ways. And I understand I'm talking to some, some English scholars out there today. And so don't give me a little grace this morning. But the word but can be used in several different ways. It can be used as a conjunction. It can be used as a preposition. And even in certain circumstances, the word but can be used as a noun. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse that we read this morning, in this specific instance, it is used as an adverb. Now, somebody says, preacher, big deal, (laughs) bigger than you can imagine. It's a real big deal. In other words, it reminds me there's nothing by mistake in this book right here. Everything's absolutely, perfectly put there. You say, preacher, why are you so excited about an adverb? Well, let me tell you what an adverb does. An adverb modifies or qualifies an adjective 
verb or other adverb or a word group. Expressing a relation of place, time, circumstance, manner, cause, degree. An adverb modifies. I want you to understand that. An adverb modifies. Now, I saw that and I thought, okay, what does that actually mean? An adverb modifies. So I looked up that word modifies, and the word modifies means this, to make basic or fundamental changes and often to give a new orientation or to serve a new end. In other words, there was a time in every one of our lives when we were headed in a totally wrong direction. But when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, a fundamental change took place. <laughs> oh yes, I'm getting this on the, on the high road today. When you, wherever it was, whether you were in a Sunday morning service or a revival or a soul winner came by your way or you read a gospel track or you heard a radio broadcast and, and you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, that adverb kicked in. That modifier kicked in. A new orientation took place. That's what it means. For me, my orientation was in my pastor's office in a little country church in West Idaho County. And after that orientation, after that orientation, it was an orientation that completely modified or changed my future forevermore. And by the way, so did it yours. Now, just in case you're, you're not with me yet and you're wondering, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, just hang on to your hat. Because I'm going to try to explain to you what the Bible is saying here. What was this fundamental change that took place when we got saved? What exactly was it that was modified that, that day many, many years ago when I was under conviction of the Holy Spirit and I, and I walked into my pastor's office and I said, Preacher, I've got to get this thing settled once and for all. And, and that day I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And all of a sudden the adverb kicked in and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden there was this fundamental change that took place. What was this fundamental change that took place in my life and this fundamental change that took place in your life when you were born again? All this is good news. Number one, the Bible says, I was washed. Look back, at, look back there with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. And Paul says about all these things, fornicators, adulterers, extortioners, revilers, uh, uh, all these things, and such were some of you. And then the adverb comes. But it modifies. But he says, first of all, ye are washed. You're washed. The word wash there means to wash fully. Well, we could camp out there and shout for about 30 minutes. To wash fully. But it also means this. It means have remitted. Remitted. The word remit means, now don't miss this, Calvary. If you're, listen, chew on a piece of candy, get a piece of gum in your mouth, slap yourself, slap your neighbor, but stay awake. Because if you miss this this morning, you're going to miss a tremendous blessing. The word remit means to release from the guilt or penalty of. 
So the Bible uses the word washed and the word washed carries with it the idea of remitted, remitted. Let me illustrate. Many years ago, when I was, uh, I guess I was probably high school, maybe middle school, maybe, maybe middle school, my cousin would often come over in the summertime and we would hang out and do all kind of things. And, and I guess on this certain day, we were bored or we just, we were where we shouldn't have been. And so we were trying to find something to do. And so I remembered that my sister, my oldest sister, had been given a chemistry set for Christmas. Now, back in that day, we didn't have all these child precautions and safety measures and all these things. Uh, and so this was a full-blown chemistry set. I mean, it had dozens and dozens of chemicals and powders and test tubes and, and all these things. And so uh, we got that chemistry set down uh, out of her closet. And we began, to, uh, we began to get everything out. And then we came up with this bright idea. I wonder what would happen if we took this test tube and we mixed all the chemicals, every single chemical in the chemistry set, if we mixed them all in together. And so that's what we did. We took that bottle out and we got this pattern. We poured some in. We got this chemical out. We poured some in. And, uh, and we noticed it began to take on shape and color. It's beautiful. Our experiment was going great. And I remember one of the very last ingredients we had was poison. And you say, Pastor, are you serious now? They used to let kids play with poison. They absolutely did. Amen. You know, if your parents wanted to really get rid of you, they'd just say, go play with your chemistry set. Amen. And so we had put all these chemicals in, and then we thought, well, you know what? The last ingredient we had was this powdered poison. And so we, we, we poured it in there. And how many of you have ever done that? How many of you have ever have poured Drano down your sink and you could hear it doing something? It was bubbling. You thought, well, something's, something's alive down there. And so we took this chemical poison, we poured it in there, and my, my cousin corked the top of that. He sh shook it up real good. And then he got a worried look on his face. And I was like, what's wrong? He said, something's going on. Something's going on. I said, what? what's going on? He said, I can't, I, I can't, I, I can't hold it. I can't hold it. And the, the, the bottle exploded. We did not know it that day, but we had created blue dye. Permanent blue dye. That permanent blue dye went everywhere. It went all over us. It went all over the door. It went all over the walls in my sister's room. I mean, it was everywhere. It was on the desk. It was on the shelves. It was all over uh, the walls. My mom and dad are probably watching right now, and they can testify to what I'm telling you. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, it went all over us. I remember, look, I remember, you know, after it exploded, I remember looking at my cousin, and he was completely polka-dotted with blue, and, and, and I was polka-dotted with blue, but then, to my horror, I looked at the room, and it was polka-dotted in blue. We tried to start wiping it off, and it wouldn't wipe off. It would just smear. I thought, Lord, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> if I ever thought about suicide, it was that day, Amen. You see, your daddy may let you get away with stuff like that. My daddy did not, usually, did not usually let us get away with stuff like that. And I remember having to go in and talk to my mom and dad and tell them what was going on. 
Wait a minute now. My dad, who was pretty much a no-business kind of a guy, my dad accepted my apology. And, and we apologized, and I was sorry, and, and I was remorseful. And, and my dad not only forgave me, he remitted my sins. But then dad did something else. Dad went out and bought some paintbrushes and some paint. And he came back and, and dad, began to, dad began to tape things up and dad began to paint the walls. And wait a minute now, wait a minute now. He not only remitted my sins, he not only forgave me for my guilt, he not only, wait a minute now, that blue paint, that, that blue dye was something that would, have, that would have reminded me of my guilt for ages on. And every time you'd have walked into that room, you'd have thought, yes, that's my mistake. That's my error. That's my transgression. I remember that day when I, when I did that, when I made that mistake, when I, I shouldn't have been doing that. But I, I, and, and that would have been a constant reminder of my sin and my wrong. But Thank God my dad not only forgave me and remitted the sins, but he came in there with a paintbrush. And, and you know what he began to do, Calvary? He began to wash. He began to wash. And he began to cover up my sins forever. And thank God you can walk in that room today and it's all covered up. And Paul said some of you were in that extortioner group and some of you were in that adulterer group and others were in that fornication group and others were in that group talking about thieves and robbers and, and all these things. And he said, you were there, you included in that. He said, and such were some of you. But he said, but he said, you are washed. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. When I begin to think about this subject of washing, I, I thought, Lord, is there an Old Testament illustration that portrays this New Testament truth? I think there is. Would you take your Bibles this morning, please? Hold your place at 1 Corinthians. We're going right back there. But take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter number five. And I want you to find your place in verse number one. And I, I want us to understand this morning that Naaman is a picture of you and he's a picture of me. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto, unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. Oh, we've got a problem though. The Bible says, but he was a leper. He had, he had contracted that awful dreaded disease where the tissues of the body begin to die. A leper, it's not uncommon for a leper for their ears to fall away, for their nose to rot off, for them to lose their fingers and their toes and their feet. A leper was excluded. A leper was, was excommunicated in many respects. And the Bible says that Naaman was a leper. Verse number two. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. 
Would you skip down, please, to verse number nine? The Bible says, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. I'm just guessing that, lep- that, that Naaman's leprosy was so bad that he had begun to lose some of those things. Because the Bible says that his flesh would come again. Verse 11, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Verse 13, and his servants came near and spake to him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest not thou have done it? How much rather then would he, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Look at verse 14, Calvary. Then went he down. By the way, you'll never get clean. You'll never get washed until you're willing to humble yourself. Until you're willing to get rid of your pride and quit worrying about what everybody thinks. Quit worrying about, you know, what your spouse may think or your kids may think or church members may think. You get rid of that pride. Verse 14, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. Here it is, church. And his flesh came again like into the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Oh, I want to tell you, my dear friend, I was a part of that unrighteous crowd. There were things in my life that I was not proud of. Listen, truth matter is, all of us have some skeletons in the closet. We all have, listen, let's just go ahead and get real this morning. We're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. That's all we are. None of us deserve to go to heaven. We all deserve hell if we got what we deserve. We were all in that unrighteous group. Every one of us were, including the guy that's preaching to you this morning. But oh, hallelujah for the day. Hallelujah for the day when I came to Jesus Christ. And thank God the adverb kicked in. And that day, Jesus Jesus Christ, when I dipped in that cleansing flow, thank God, he washed me whiter than snow. The songwriter said, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Good question, by the way. Are you washed? Are you washed? You say, well, I'm a good person. Being a good person doesn't wash you. Well, you say, I'm a, I'm a Baptist. Being a Baptist doesn't wash you. You say, preacher, I'm the best Pentecostal the Pentecost church ever found. Being a Pentecostal doesn't, doesn't wash you. Being a Methodist doesn't wash you. Having your name on a church roll doesn't wash you. Being a good citizen doesn't wash you. Being a Ruritan or a JC doesn't wash you. Listen, the only way that you'll ever get washed is by, by dipping yourself in the blood of Jesus Christ. What was that fundamental change? Because I'm wanting to get somewhere. We can't get bogged down. Number one, I was washed. Number two, I was sanctified. Now, this is going to help somebody. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, Paul says, And such were some of you, but you're washed. And then he says, But ye are sanctified. 
sanctified. The word sanctified means to consecrate, to render or acknowledge. I love this. It means to be, it means to be venerable or to hallow, to separate from profane. In simple terms, when God saved you, when God saved you, he set you apart as holy. He set you apart as hallowed. By the way, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you came from, you say, preacher, you don't know my background. I don't have to know your background. (laughs) You say, pastor, if you only knew where I came from, I don't have to know where you came from. I'm just telling us that when he saved you, when he uh, when, he, when he washed you, he not only washed you, but thank God he sanctified you. And now you're modified for a totally new and different person. We sing the song sometime here at Calvary. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore from the book of life. They've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. This is why I want you to understand because I want to get to the last point. But this is what you want to, I want you to understand. That when you got born again, God took you and set you apart and made you holy. He made you holy. He set you apart for a totally new purpose. Several, several, several years ago, when our youngest son Samuel bought his first truck, it was a nice truck, but I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it had been used pretty roughly, pretty hard. One of the things that the people had done in this truck is they had smoked heavily in it. And you could just get, you could just stick your head in the truck and it smelled like a cigarette, like an ashtray. It was terrible. Uh, listen, honestly, it was, somebody had smoked in it so bad that it was discolored. The dash, the uh, pan, door panels, the, the upholstery, it was literally, it was almost yellow because someone had smoked in it so bad. It's a good truck, but it had been abused. So we got that truck and we took it down to the upholstery shop and I'll never forget, we tore everything out of it. We took the seats out. We tore the carpet out. We took the door panels off. And we just went in there and we got some purple power and we just started spraying purple power all over the place. We literally just bathed that truck with purple power. This is the truth I'm telling it. You could see the nicotine just running down the sides of the wall. It was that bad. We got in there with rags and brushes and we cleaned and we brushed and uh, and uh, we put new carpet in that thing and my father-in-law uh, uh, made uh, brand new seats for Samuel's truck and, uh, and, and uh, I mean listen that thing uh, we died and we uh, all kind of things and that thing was when we got done that truck was completely set apart you wouldn't have recognized it it was a different truck altogether we took that truck that had been abused that had been smoked in that had been smoked up and we set that vehicle apart for the use of my son. Did you know when you got saved, God set you apart? There's some of you here this morning and 
No doubt, and, and we all know this, the devil is a professional at, at trying to get you to be guilty and, and he's constantly bringing these things up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, boy, remember when you did this and remember when you did that or remember when you used to talk like this and remember when you fell, remember when you stumbled, remember when you did this and boy, he just constantly, constantly brings it up and the devil will come and the devil will say, you can never be used, you can never be used of God. Uh, there was a time, but not anymore. God can never use you and I've got great news for you that regardless of who you are and regardless of where you were, listen, when you got saved, he made you holy. And God set you apart and made you usable again. So, number one, the Bible says that we are washed. Number two, we are sanctified. But I love this last one. Wow. Not only was I washed, not only was I sanctified, but number three, church, the Bible says I was justified. First Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you, but you're washed. But you're sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Justified. Justified. What does that mean, preacher? Justified. It means to render just or innocent. To render just or innocent. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior through his so great salvation, he not only washes us and sanctifies us, but he justifies us. Justified. What's that mean? It means he makes me just as if I'd never sinned. Now, don't, don't miss this, Calvary. We often hear people talking about pardoned. I'm pardoned. I'm pardoned. I'm pardoned from my sin. I got news. I'm more than pardoned. A few weeks ago, or a week or two ago, whatever it was, President Trump pardoned General Michael Flynn. Some folks were upset about that. You know why they were upset? Because Listen to this now. This is going to help you. Because a pardon at least lends itself to the chance that there could be some wrongdoing there. Not saying that there is, but it could be that they had sinned. Possible guilt. I was not pardoned. I was justified through the righteousness, righteousness of Christ. Oh, man. I may have to preach this two times so you can just get it. I'm not just pardoned from, the, from, from guilt and from sin. I am in Jesus Christ. I am justified. When God looks at me, it is just as if I have never sinned. Justified. Justified. So there was a rich man in England, and he bought a Rolls Royce. He had plenty of money. I guess you would if you bought a Rolls Royce. And so this man thought, you know, I'm going to go on a vacation. And so he, uh, he took that Rolls Royce, he put it on a boat. They shipped it over to Europe, and he was going to just take a vacation and drive all throughout Europe in that beautiful, beautiful Rolls Royce. Sure enough, that's what they did. He, uh, 
He got over there, he got his car, and he began to drive through these different countries. And lo and behold, if the motor in this Rolls Royce didn't have some trouble. He called the Rolls Royce company and he said, listen, he said, I'm on vacation. He told them the country he was in. He said, I'm having trouble with the motor. What do I do? Rolls Royce flew a mechanic to where he was, fixed his car, got on the plane, flew back, and this man went on his merry way on his vacation. He got to thinking, though, while he was on vacation, he thought, man, I wonder how much that's going to cost me. I wonder how much that's going to set me back. So when he got back off vacation, he wrote Rolls Royce a letter, and he said, I was on vacation. My Rolls Royce had problems. You flew a, a mechanic to fix my car, and he said, I just want to know how much I owe you. And they sent word, word back, and it said this, Dear Sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls Royce. Yes! Did you know you're looking at a spiritual Rolls Royce this morning? And the devil comes, the devil comes, and the devil says, look at you, look at you, look at you. And he goes to God and he says, that dirty sinner, that dirty rotten sinner down there at Calvary Baptist Church, that dirty rotten sinner, what do you think about that God? And God says, we have nothing on our record. We have nothing in our books that are points to any fact that he was ever a sinner. Why? Because thank God, I am justified in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And somebody ought to get happy this morning justified <laughs> not just pardoned justified and by the way can I just point this out we're going to be done scripture is very clear that we are justified not through good works but through the blood of Jesus Christ now we're done but I want you to, I want you to go with me to Romans Romans Chapter number three, aren't we having a good time in the house of God today? Romans chapter three in your Bibles. And look, if you will, please, at uh, verse number 20. Romans chapter three and verse number 20. The Bible says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Hallelujah. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, here it is whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 
And based on what the Bible's teaching us, their church is this, that if you and I could be justified by our own works, heaven would be nothing but a bunch of braggarts roaming around glory saying, let me tell you how I got in. Let me tell you what I did. Well, truth of the matter is, there'll be no braggarts in heaven because you didn't do anything and neither did I. But he paid it all. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Many of you remember the story I'm getting ready to tell. It was a Saturday in September of 2013. It was in a place called Nairobi, Kenya. There was a group called Al-Shabaab that stormed a very popular mall in Nairobi. They were a part of Al-Qaeda and they came in with automatic weapons and they were loaded for bear. They came in that day and literally without any regard to any life, in other words, it didn't matter if it was man, woman, boy, or girl, they began to open fire. By the time that they were done, 72 people had lost their lives and 200 had been injured. They were just walking through the mall. People were there on a Saturday. They were shopping and they began to walk through the mall and just mow people down. There was a young lady, her name, Sania Makshru. Sania was there at the mall having coffee with a friend when the gunshots began to go off. And, and of course, she fell to the, to the ground. And, and, uh, but right next to her, a cell phone began to ring. And she thought, if I don't do something about this cell phone, she said, it's going to draw the terrorist over here. And so she slid her hand underneath the man that was laying beside her. She slid her hand underneath his body to silence his cell phone. And when she did, she realized he had been shot. The reason she knew that is because when she slid her hand underneath him, there was blood. And she said there was much blood, much blood. And then Sania had to make a life-changing decision. She took that blood that was pulled up from that young man, by the way. She took that blood and she began to smear it all over her body in hopes that when the terrorists came through and they saw her body covered with blood, they would see the blood and they would, yes, and they would pass on. And sure enough, the terrorists came through, and when they looked at Sunia, she was covered in blood. And they left her and went on, her, on, on their way, and her life was spared. She said this in an interview. She said, I'd love to know who he, talking about that young man, she said, I'd love to know who he was because I think his blood saved my life. Can I tell you, church, what's going to save my life? And can I tell you what's going to save your life? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank God there's a crimson flow that's flowing today. And if you'll be willing to admit you're a sinner and you'll be willing to cover yourself in his blood, 
I'm so thankful that your life will be spared and eternity will be given and you can spend the rest of your life in heaven, but only through the blood. Thank God for the adverb. Thank God for that modifier. Because of that, I am washed. I am sanctified. And I am justified. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you so much. Wow. What a God. What a Savior. And Lord, what a plan. Father, I thank you for your so great salvation. Lord, I, I want to just bow. I want to just bow and say thank you for saving my unworthy soul. God, I cannot, I cannot understand exactly why you did what you did. I don't understand at all. But I'm glad I know I'm washed. And I'm thankful I'm sanctified. And I'm so glad that I'm justified. Father, I pray that you'll work in hearts today. God, maybe a Christian needs to come and get on this altar and and just say, thank you, Jesus, for a so great salvation. But Lord, it could be there's someone here today or someone watching by way of live stream that doesn't know Christ as Savior. And I pray today, Lord, that a fundamental change will take place today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a question or two. I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved. And here's my hand. I know I've been born again. No doubt about it. I know that I've been saved. You slip your hand up. You can lower your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. What a joy. I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. I won't come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I've never done that. But I wonder how many are here today, though, and you would at least, at least let me pray for you. And you'd say, Brother Pope, I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I want to be saved. I want to be in heaven, but I'm just not sure of it. I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that right now? You'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Just slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you to raise it really high so I don't miss you? Is there anyone? Just raise it up and wave at me. Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'm born again. Pray for me. Pray for me. I see that little hand. Is there anybody else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure about salvation. Would you pray for me? You slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere like that? Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Do you know of somebody, heads are bowed, eyes are closed? Do you know of someone that hasn't been washed? Do you know of someone that hasn't been justified? They haven't received what you have. Would it be in order today to maybe find your way to an old-fashioned altar and just breathe their name to the Lord and say, Lord, would you save them? God, would you open up the opportunity for me to be able to witness to them? Maybe someone needs to come today and and just find your way to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for a so great salvation. We're going to pause just for a few moments. And if the altar's open, folks are coming. If you need to come, you come today. While we wait, while we wait, 
you come. That's right. That's right. What a God.